Welcome back, everybody, to the Loot Beasley Show. I hope you're doing wonderful. We have made it through another week of American politics. Phew. <laughs> um, happy Friday. Before we jump into the weekend, though, we have a few major stories to discuss. So let's dive into our first one. Ron DeSantis, as well as Greg Abbott, have gotten a bunch of headlines and have been in the news a lot recently due to their big migrant stunts. So Ron DeSantis specifically, uh, because the response from the individuals of this community was so uh, great, got, you know, a lot of the attention because he boarded migrants up on a plane and sent them to Martha's Vineyard. Martha's Vineyard is a liberal area um, and is a very wealthy area. So the idea was all oh, these liberals aren't paying attention to the issue of immigration uh, and to the southern border. So let's take the migrants to them, right? Uh, it didn't go well for Ron DeSantis. And if you've already heard about this, just hold because I have kind of a rapid fire series of clips I'll show you of all these different responses from different individuals to uh, Ron DeSantis. But uh, first, just kind of lay out the background and then we'll discuss how it didn't go probably as planned. Uh, Republican governors this week escalated their campaign to transport migrants across the country, deepening a war with the Biden administration and Democratic states over immigration ahead of the November elections. The latest moves came from Republican governors Ron DeSantis of Florida and Greg Abbott of Texas, both of whom transported migrants from the southern border to Democratic strongholds. Abbott on Thursday sent two buses of migrants to a location near Vice President Kamala Harris's residence in Washington, while DeSantis Wednesday directed at least one plane carrying dozens of migrants to Martha's Vineyard. Again, uh, a complete stunt, a complete political show. This is not trying to actually solve the problem. Uh, the quick update right now as far as the migrants uh, situation, reading a group of migrants flown to Martha's Vineyard on the orders of Florida Governor Ron DeSantis will be moved to housing on a military base on Cape Cod. Okay, And then fascinating enough about this, this may not have been a legal act by Ron DeSantis. And that's another we reason why he's getting so much of the intention. Uh, this is from Yahoo News. Migrants flown to Martha's Vineyard by Florida Governor Ron DeSantis claimed they were lured uh, or lured into boarding the flight with deceptive promises that they'd be taken to Boston for work opportunities and exp uh, expedited papers, something experts say could constitute a violation of federal law. And it was around 50 migrants. So the act that Ron DeSantis took trying to do this big political stunt could have violated uh, federal law if indeed these promises were deceptive. Um, and here's a little bit highlighting some of the deceptive nature um, of the proposition to these migrants. Maps pointing from Texas to Massachusetts, one of the vineyard, and a brochure, which immigration lawyers say contained misleading information to set them up for failure. It could not be clearer that this is an attempt to ensure that these people are ordered removed, even as they try as hard as they can to comply with the instructions provided to them. This was the information the migrants were given about where they were going. So, uh... How gross is that? You're trying to use these individuals as a political stunt and in the process setting them up for failure, trying to make it where they can't get to their ultimate goal or can't um, go through the legal process properly. It's just so gross. Um, and I like the statement that was released by Gavin Newsom's office, of course, governor of California. 
um, responding to this possibility of false um, information being given and possible crimes being committed, several of the individuals who were transported to Martha's Vineyard, this, again, this is Gavin Newsom, have alleged that a recruiter induced them to accept the offer of travel based on false representations that they would be transported to Boston and would receive expedited access to work authorization. The interstate travel at issue provides a basis for federal jurisdiction over this matter. Accordingly, I strongly urge the uh, Justice Department to open an investigation into possible criminal or civil violations, which I agree. And that would be quite the negative epic ending to this stunt being put on uh, by Ron DeSantis. So here is the heartwarming part to all of this. When these migrants arrived in Martha's Vineyard, as you'll see in this interview I'm about to show you or the piece of it, the uh, citizens on the ground just mobilized. And the guy says they only got kind of two hours notice. And within that time, they, they were able to set up um, the necessary resources and people, volunteers to help these migrants uh, land, get, you know, situated and then sent to their next location. So here is one of the citizens being interviewed. I'm here with the town administrator of Egerton, uh, and wanted to chat with you uh, about sort of what we just witnessed here. This this was also a coordinated effort mm -hmm. to, to to help these people get to the next stage. How how tough was it to absorb 50 migrants without any sort of sense of where they were coming from, what they needed? It was very last minute, and it was very tough initially. They came very quickly. 50 individuals. We were notified uh, within two or three hours. We had this set up. The, the outpour by the community, uh, the, the graciousness with regard to food, clothes. Then the first 12 hours, it became so enormous, we had to tell them to cease, stop. We have too many supplies, uh, too many gifts, too many donations. Uh, there's been tens of thousands of dollars donated. The outpour was tremendous, and it showed a lot from the island community. And so that is really cool um, because the whole idea behind this stunt is we're going to take migrants. And again, we're not trying to solve the problem because they spent millions of dollars uh, or they have millions of dollars allocated to doing this type of relocation. You're spending more than it would take to just properly help these migrants from the point that you have them initially, right? And help them actually get to where they need to go and start the proper processes. So this isn't a solution being proposed. This is just a big, you know, show of, oh, look, we're going to put something that we see as super inconvenient, which in literal terms, I mean, it is inconvenient, but um, if you step up to the plate, you can uh, provide the proper needs to them and hopefully help them on their way. And so uh, I've really liked the fact that it didn't at all, you know, put these people on their heels, the uh, those of Martha's Vineyard, and they didn't freak out or anything. It was, okay, send them our way. We're going to help out. Uh, as effectively as we can. And so much outpouring happened that they had to tell people to stop sending resources, which is great. Uh, again, like I said, I have a bunch of things to show you in response to this. Here's Ron DeSantis responding, uh, sort of, or just defending his decision to do this in a speech. Biden's border policies. And so that's involved a number of things. We've had different operations in the panhandle where we've stopped uh, human smugglers. There have been tr criminal charges brought. There have been drug seized. There have been a whole bunch of things. But yes, if you have folks that are inclined to think Florida is a good place, our message to them is we are not a sanctuary state. And it's better to be able to go to a sanctuary jurisdiction. And yes, we will help facilitate that transport for you to be able to go to greener pastures. Okay, so then he's framing it as, listen, we're not the state that you need to land in. So let us 
help you get somewhere else. But when you charter planes <laughs> uh, to bring just a handful, again, 50 migrants to Martha's Vineyard, that's not you trying to set up a process to bring migrants to the best place for their future or where they can get the proper resources or as he's saying sanctuary cities uh that's just a political stunt it's short term it's um not actually addressing the problem at hand and if you wanted to coordinate with governors of other states i'm sure there'd be a situation where you could figure out an arrangement where uh, cities who have more capacity can help deal with this uh and help people you know set up their future properly uh, and bring them on their next steps in that process in the legal process. Uh, but that's not what Ron DeSantis was trying to do. Here is Biden criticizing Ron DeSantis' decision to do this. And I'm proud that the Obama-Biden administration stood up for dreamers. My predecessor tried to end DACA, but the Biden-Harris administration is working to preserve it and fortify it. And with Secretary Mayorkas' leadership, we're committed to fixing the immigration system. Instead of working with us on solutions, Republicans are playing politics with human beings, using them as props. What they're doing is simply wrong. It's un-American. It's reckless. And we have a process in place to manage migrants at the border. We're working to make sure it's safe and orderly and humane. Republican officials should not interfere with that process by waging a politi these political stunts. Fair enough. Um, I do think making it clear that uh, you are also recognizing the... Uh, the need for us to improve our process so that people have an ability to legally and safely enter the country um, is important when talking about this because the issue of immigration does help Republicans politically sometimes whenever they do all this fear-mongering. And our message has to be, they, the Republican Party is incredibly dehumanizing uh, to individuals trying to come into the United States, um, to immigrants, to migrants, all those things. But we also not just condemn them for that. We also have a better plan to set up a situation where we don't have to see um, any level of logistical chaos, you know, at different points on the border or in allowing people to go through our legal process. Because right now it is incredibly, incredibly inefficient and it does drive people to often pursue the non-legal uh, way, which we would not want you know that's not the preference at all um here is beto o'rourke responding to this sending these migrants to dc to chicago to new york now to the vice president's house isn't doing anything for them it's not doing anything for us it's not addressing the underlying challenge that we have in terms of our immigration system absolutely correct uh i can't show it because these late night shows are really touchy on copywriting you but uh, I would encourage you to go watch the full interview. Beto O'Rourke appeared on Jimmy Kimmel and uh, just really at all watch Beto O'Rourke talking about the issue of immigration because he does well what I was saying where you are able to be uber clear that these people we're talking about, the vast, 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 vast majority of them are just trying oftentimes with a kid or trying to meet people who already live in America who are their family members. They're trying to make a better life. They're trying to pursue the best thing for them. Um, and they aren't these scary figures that the right depicts. Um, and then also on top of that, we understand our system is not working the way that it should, and we do need to improve it, and we do need to fix that, um, of course. I don't think shying away from the issue completely is the right 
um, the right way forward as a liberal or, you know, progressive. Here's Hillary Clinton. Some politicians would rather not only have an issue, but exacerbate it to the extent of literally human trafficking, as you said. And so many other Americans, I happen to believe still the majority of Americans, um, are good-hearted and generous. And when people end up on their doorstep in need, they're going to respond. They're going to feed them and house them. And the kids in the AP Spanish class are going to be let out of high school so they could go and translate. You know, that's the kind of American spirit that we try to celebrate at the Clinton Global Initiative. Let's roll up our sleeves. Okay, I don't know if it's because it's really loud in my ear or what, but the paper shuffling in the background of this is making me get so angry. I'm sorry. Get things done because, Joe, it is so clear that despite efforts. And when I was in the Senate, I think probably when you were in Congress, there was a lot of talk about immigration reform and we kept trying to get close. And in fact, the Senate, when I was there, we passed a bill to actually. Okay, I will cut her off there. She called it human trafficking, which is uh, pretty stark language. And then just to give a little bit of a fair shake to the other side, here's Fox News celebrating these stunts. It's true. All right. It's 6.03 here on the East Coast and the Biden administration is just to be clear. I'm going to say this now because I know at some point I'll have it brought up to me. I'm not all against political stunts generally. Do what you got to do. If it's a political stunt and it's effective, cool. So in a way, I do think this is effective for the people who want to see uh, this type of behavior from their leadership. But the reason why I don't like this political stunt is because it's not at all highlighting a real solution that you're trying to put forth. Um, it's not calling out some horrible part of the other side or anything like that. Um, and I guess stunt does make it kind of allude to the series of uh, descriptions I just said. But doing big like political shows to try to make a point can be fine. It can prove a point. Um, you know, we saw Cory Bush sitting out protesting on the Capitol, sleeping on the uh, steps of the Capitol, protesting the lapse in uh, eviction moratorium that was about to happen. And that ended up working temporarily. So things like that can be great. I'm not saying, oh, anytime someone does a big public show. Yes, politics is much about publicity, you know, aesthetic, all that type of stuff. That's fine. I just think this one was stupid. <laughs> to meet today. And it's using people's lives as the stunt, if that makes sense. They're going to discuss litigation after dozens of migrants are flown onto Martha's Vineyard. Yeah, that got a lot of people's attention. But Governors Ron DeSantis and Greg Abbott are defending their move to fly migrants to the ritzy sanctuary communities and bus, bus and move busloads right to Kamala Harris's, the vice president's doorstep. It's genius. Uh, Griff Jenkins joins us right now. Uh, hey, Griff, uh, what an epic day yesterday. He called it genius and an epic day. Wow. That's what he saw. That's pretty crazy. And then just to wrap up this segment, here is uh, the migrants after they got taken care of uh, temporarily at Martha's Vineyard being uh, hugged and celebrated as they're leaving, going to the military base to be housed. There you go. It goes on for a while, but that's uh, the vibe. So 
Ron DeSantis, in my eyes, failing to do uh, anything valuable with this big boost of publicity he was able to get through this stunt, but also playing with people's lives because of it, which I think has a level of disgustingness to it uh, and follows in line with the character of Ron DeSantis that we are all quite aware of. I want to show you an example of the danger of right wing's constant demonization of particular groups. They're uh, running with these narratives that aren't at all true about certain groups and their motives and all of these things. This time specifically, you guessed it, about trans people. So uh, I've tweeted out one time that I went and watched a right wing show just because I wanted to see what happens over there, right? Because I see moments when we'll cover them on the show, but what does just a normal full show look like? And it was just all about trans people. And uh, so, so here's an example of a very real world effect that is caused. Now it's not directly tied at this moment, but you'll see why that would be suspected. So here is a right-wing commentator named Matt Walsh uh, going after Boston Children's Hospital. Boston's Children's Hospital. Wait. Boston Children's Hospital for a false idea that he had, a false story he was running with that they were mutilating children to make them trans, right? And then you'll see at the bottom half of the screen after he's done talking, the report on CNN about what happened at Boston Children's Hospital, um, likely because of this type of false information that's being put out. Today on the Matt Walsh Show, children's hospitals around the country are butchering, mutilating, and sterilizing their young patients. According to Boston Children's Hospital, literally every toddler who has ever been born or will ever be born is trans. Now, if it seems like they're casting the widest imaginable net in order to catch the most children they can and put them all on a path to sterilization and butchery before they can even... So he's just blatantly lying, right? ...talk? Well, that's because that's exactly what these monsters are doing. And they've done it up until this moment without much resistance from the public. But that has to end. We have to stop making it so easy on them. And that's why I'm in the very early stages of trying to organize a national coordinated effort to fight back against this evil. You know, it's really just a matter of where do we begin? Maybe we begin at Boston Children's Hospital. And then two days later, this is the report that comes out of CNN. Boston Children's Hospital says its staff is being threatened and harassed now after far-right activists on social media posted misinformation claiming they performed gender-affirming hysterectomy procedures on young girls. The hospital says it's not true. They do not perform those procedures for anyone under the age of 18. Boston Children's Hospital says it is proud, though, to be home to the first pediatric and adolescent transgender health program in the United States. The hospital, though, now is working with law enforcement to try to better protect its staff. It's so heartbreaking. And I just, when I see situations like this, uh, I wish that I could look in the face and probably would get nothing of it, uh, of these far right people and say, do you not understand the effect of your actions? Do you not understand that, okay, you're grifting, you're making the money, you're peddling these false stories, but because of it, People are going out and making the lives of, in this example, healthcare workers much worse. So, uh, reading a little bit about this, Catherine, uh, Levy, Levi was behind bars Thursday pending a detainment hearing Friday on charges of calling in a false bomb threat on August 30th. 
The exchange the FBI said in documents was a quick one, an operator answering the phone with a standard greeting, and then Levi telling them there's a bomb on the way to the hospital. You better evacuate everybody, you sickos. Uh, so this is a flooding. That's one example of someone, um, who's now being, you know, wrapped up in law enforcement for it. But there was an outpouring of these threats, um, being made towards these healthcare workers, towards the hospital. And you know, it has to be in a direct response to people like Matt Walsh and this right wing, uh, universe that is spreading this false information. So even the, um, I, I repeat this a thousand times, but people clearly don't hear it. The idea that children are having sex reassignment surgery is just not true okay we've talked about this it's not true um they love to pretend that this is a thing that is something that adults have access to after um making that decision about themselves and if you think in a free country that adults shouldn't be able to go and have a surgery if they want it i okay you really flipped around right wingers on your stance on this type of stuff but um it's really really crazy it's wild that they feel so bold in spreading this false information and then they see the effects of their actions and they don't care matt walsh he's not gonna call out to his followers to stop doing stuff like this he's not going to apologize for the lies he spread no he gets the benefits of the audience of the rage that he stokes in them and then he walks away and i'll say again we don't know it's matt walsh specifically but he's an example of this information that was being spread um that caused this to happen and we're going to see this time and time again, as this continues to be the right's favorite course of action, which is demonizing this particular group and everyone associated who's trying to help them. This hospital is trying to provide a specialized area that can help trans youth. You can say that that's all horrible, but guess what? Trans youth exist. They're going to need help through that process. It's not them getting sex reassignment surgery, but it's wonderful that people are trying to help trying to be there for people uh, in those moments. But I guess that can't be conceived of uh, in Matt Walsh's brain. Instead, what he knows is people really love when his segments are done pretending like kids are being butchered in Boston Children's Hospital and it's leading to real effects. Herschel Walker uh, was doing an interview and had an interesting take that I want to show you. And as a reminder, this person running against Raphael Warnock uh, in Georgia for the position of senator is leading in the polls uh, as we speak, which is quite wild. He's running in the Republican Party, and uh, here is one of his recent takes. In trouble all the time because of things he says in the pulpit, like, uh, you know, America need to apologize for whiteness. Well, first of all, that's uh, trying to death division. You're trying to divide the people, trying to get the people emotional. And I've said many times, if you look at the 14th Amendment, you can see America is trying to apologize for it with whiteness. America is apologizing for it. But the problem we have, we have the wrong person at the table making the deal. Because if you were there making the deal, you'll see people as people, as human beings, and not worried about the color of their skin. What you'll be out there trying to do is get better education for our kids. What you'll be out there trying to do is control this border, get this border under control. What you should do is try to get us energy independent again. But yet you want to sit and try to divide the people because you want to get votes to continue to stay in Washington so you can make more money for yourself. How, Herschel Walker, that is a powerful message. <laughs> I love that. Wow, that is powerful, Herschel. But see, this to me reveals just the lack of platform that Herschel Walker has. It's so fascinating because he comes back to that issue 
almost every time I see him talk. Raphael Warnock wants to make you apologize for your whiteness or feel bad about your whiteness. I don't, is this coming from the CRT conversation? I don't know why this became such a talking point. Um, and just to clear out, clear the air. No, no one needs to apologize for that. The only thing that you would see as apologetic would be, I guess, recognizing the wrongs that were done and then wanting to ameliorate the lasting problems from those, right? Uh, that to me doesn't fall under the category of apologizing for your whiteness. I just think, Hey, let's try to uplift people in our country. And some groups haven't yet been uplifted as much as they should. So let's uplift them. Simple. <laughs> Um, but it's a very popular talking point and clearly his voters like it because he brings it up all the time, but it's so lack of policy. What does that, what does that mean? Is that a particular policy that you're pushing for? Um, and then he listed off a few other things that are the normal right wing talking points, but I really am going to be not just heartbroken, but disturbed if Raphael Warnock loses to Herschel Walker in Georgia and it'll just show we have completely, I mean, we are already there, but even further ejected ourselves from a serious political climate and serious representation, uh, quite sadly. Joe Biden uh, seems to have averted, has worked to prevent a large railroad workers uh, strike that would have been pretty economically devastating. But importantly, the demands that were being made by this railroad uh, un workers union were absolutely demands that they should have been making. Um, and so I'm glad they're getting some concessions out of this. Doesn't seem like enough. Um, but then I'm also glad that Joe Biden decided to take a stance of, we're going to hear both of you out and figure out how we can come to a solution. Because most of the time, <laughs> people in power, presidents, will not even think about giving, um, you know, deference to the union workers in a situation like this. And it's all about just trying to uh, prevent the strike and prevent the union workers from getting what they want. And not in this case, uh, luckily enough, from Newsweek, a national railroad strike that was due to take place on Friday has been averted as the Biden administration has reached a tentative agreement with railroad unions and freight rail companies. President Joe Biden announced the deal early on Thursday after he personally intervened on Wednesday evening to bring both sides freight uh, rail companies and unions and the government to an agreement. Negotiations reportedly lasted deep into the night for a total of 20 hours of talks, but finally the Biden administration managed to avoid a strike that experts feared would have uh, had a devastating impact on the U.S. economy. So, and then as far as what they got, the terms of the deal are not yet known, but on August 16th, the Presidential Emergency Board recommended a 24% wage increase over the five-year period from 2020 through 2024 with a 14.1% wage increase effective immediately and five annual $1,000 lump sum payments. The deal was accepted by some railroad unions, but not all. The tentative agreement now needs to be ratified by union members. While a final decision has been reached, there will be a cooling off period of several weeks during which union uh, members won't strike. We're already seeing huge supply chain issues that are getting slowly worked out in the aftermath of the pandemic. So putting on a situation like this, where the rail systems get all jam-packed, would not have been good for the economy. Um, here is a reflection from one of the workers kind of initially reacting to the possible, uh, you know, items they were able to extract from these negotiations, but there's still a lot to be released and determined about it. Uh, it does sound like the three major sticking points 
uh, for the operating craft unions were these basically three issues. Uh, most over-the-road uh, freight train operators in this country, engineers and conductors, have traditionally not had any paid sick leave. Uh, so that was issue number one. It sounds like the tentative agreement grants a single sick leave day, uh, which is a, a bit of an insult, one would think. Uh, most workers have 10 to 15 sick days, I believe. Uh, so it sounds like the tentative agreement has one single uh, paid sick leave day. Uh, also, it sounds like we will not be penalized now for taking time off work uh, for medical appointments. Uh, and then last but not least, um, it sounds like there is going to be some sort of semblance of a schedule. And that probably is the key here because railroad workers traditionally uh, have not had a schedule. We're on call subject to a two-hour call uh, 24-7. That is wild. So now they're going to have a little bit more of scheduling done so they can build a life around the work. Holy smokes. Uh, but you heard there, these are basic demands. We're talking about one, this is as, as many as that they had hoped, um, likely, but what they got expected was one sick day paid. Oh, and then they didn't even have a situation where they could take off time to go to medical appointments and be like not getting paid, but just not get punished. They would get punished for going to a medical appointment uh, and not getting paid during that time, which obviously you should be able to go and have a certain number of days that are paid time off that you can deal with that paid sick days, um, whatever it is. Crazy, crazy that that's the situation they're dealing with. And then having a two hour call 24 seven as a worker where you got to be ready at any moment um, is also incredibly wild. And there are specific anecdotes that came out about what sparked this. And really, people are getting punished for doing very basic life things and trying to deal with that in their job, um, going to medical appointments and um, not having the ability to even take off that unpaid time, which is incredibly crazy. Um, here is Biden being asked about this, the fact that he averted it, and um, his response. Mr. President, you have just averted a nationwide railroad strike that would have been crippling to the economy. How did you do that? And what were those last hours like in the negotiations? Well, look, we brought business and labor together. One of the things that happens in negotiations, particularly if they've been elongated like these have, is people say and do things where they, their pride gets engaged as well. And it's awful hard to back off of some of these things. So what we did was just say, look, let's take a look. Let's take a look at what's happening. You have a good deal being made for labor. Their, their, their income is going to go up 24% over the next five years. They've worked out the, the health care piece. They worked out days off. And they both sat down, in my view, and they were in the office today saying, well, we finally figured out this is fair on both sides. And it took that time to focus. And, and the alternative was just not thinkable. What do you mean? If, in fact, they'd gone on strike, the supply chains in this country would have come to a screeching halt. And we would have seen a real economic crisis. So this is a good moment because, one, economic crisis averted. Two, union workers got uh, some of the demands that they were making. 
Three, huge political win for Biden and therefore the Democrats in the midterms. Because if this had happened right before the midterms and caused a huge economic, uh, you know, crisis, that would have maybe single-handedly swung the election towards the Republican Party quite aggressively. And so I'm very glad uh, that Biden was able to work it out with them. I'm glad both sides were able to actually come to the table. I'm also super proud almost that Biden didn't do what most people like to do in power, which is backhand the union workers over and over. And he actually seemed to try to get something for them as well. Um, and hopefully either the deal will be accepted or they'll come back to the table after more negotiations um, and get more out of it. That's always an opportunity and would be cool to see as well. Um, but we will continue to follow it. I have for you just something so absurd. And I would say that it's one of the dumbest thing I've ever heard this person say, but it's not because it's Marjorie Taylor Greene and she is very good at coming up with dumb things to say. So let's just play it for you. Try to figure out what the heck is going on. I have one comparison that usually people can get. So this is her guest and then she'll respond to it. If you believe in God, obviously transgender ideology is saying God made us wrong. So that makes no sense. Right. If you believe in evolution, are we to believe that after a billion years of the process of natural selection, that during this little 10-year window in mankind's history, we've been on this planet for 300,000 years, but during this little 10-year window, a pharmaceutical company is here to help our children be who they really are? That kind of goes against evolution, doesn't it? Because if, if we evolve, right. we don't need pharmaceutical companies, we don't need surgeries. We don't need gender affirming care for people to evolve. Because Whoa. Let's just play that again for you. Because I know you got confused thinking that you misheard her. You didn't. Against evolution, doesn't it? Because if, if we evolve. If we evolve. Right. We don't need pharmaceutical companies. We don't need pharmaceutical companies. Companies. We don't need surgery. We don't need surgeries. We don't need gender affirming care. And then we don't need gender affirming care. Okay. For people to evolve. <laughs> okay. So, because humans evolve, we don't need medicine. We don't need surgeries. Huh. <laughs> Why? Why do they celebrate their ignorance? I really don't get it. So, the core of both of their arguments are so dumb. He's over here saying that if it was God's plan for XYZ to happen, then God would have made that happen. And you wouldn't have to do it uh, with human means. And then he flips to evolution, which Marjorie Taylor Greene takes to say, if evolution was really a thing, um, and if evolution actually worked the way that people say, then you wouldn't need medicine, you wouldn't need surgeries, you wouldn't need gender affirming care. Both of those make no sense. Because if it was God's plan for you to wear clothes or cut your hair or any of these things, then he would have just done that already. Or you would just have hair naturally fall out and you wouldn't have to cut it. Or you would have, you know, more fur or something. So why are you putting clothes on? That's against God's plan. You didn't come to this world with clothes on. No, we understand that's not um, logical. And then the evolution point, even crazier, it seems, thinking that it isn't a part of our development process to become more intelligent, which allows us to develop things like medicine, like surgeries that will allow us to live longer, live healthier, whatever it is. That's not to say all medicine does that, obviously, but it has been a, over the last hundreds of years process of us 
way stretching out a lifespan because of technological and medical advances. Um, and so her pretending like if we were meant to, you know, not be affected by certain diseases, I guess, or something like that, uh, then we would just evolve into that and we wouldn't need medicine for it. Makes no sense because we have evolved to be more intelligent, to have that level of consciousness that other living things don't have, which then gives us the ability to develop things like medicine, surgeries, uh, gender affirming care. So this just proud anti-science stance that is so popular now fascinates me. It's so bizarre, um, but quite unsurprising. Marjorie Taylor Greene saying, who needs medicine and surgeries if evolution was really a thing? 